All right. Well, welcome to our little presentation from Prophecy Focus Ministries. Uh, I also we were traveling ministry for quite a few years, as well as I'm, I've been bivocational my virtually my entire adult life. Uh, I worked 32 years in the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office, which we'll show you a couple slides in a minute. So there's a lot of governmental things involved here, as well as uh, the Christian side of things. So I'm a little bit on the eclectic side. You say, well, how do you do uh, a sheriff's office and ministry? You work 16, 18 hours a day. It's not a problem. Uh, but it works. And uh, we've been enjoying it. Well, I retired from the sheriff's office in 2019. And uh, again, full-time with Prophecy Focus Ministries, which is an organization my wife and I started. Travel all over the country. I've been in many of your churches. Uh, we're still doing that to some degree. But uh, when COVID hit, we shut down our traveling ministry for the most part when we had to, and a church about 25 minutes away from us uh, lost their pastor in December of 2019, and uh, he filled in for several weeks while we were in town before we hit the road again. We had three, uh, I also am a tour guide in Israel, we had three churches in Israel set up, one to Europe, and uh, COVID hit in March of 2020, as you all know, that shut down the traveling ministry. This church lost their pastor, as I stated, and then uh, I took the pastor up there. So we're, we're not traveling anywhere near like we used to, which was 40-plus weeks a year, uh, but it all works out. So I'm going to get right into it. Uh, I'm going to pray and uh, ask the Lord to bless our time, and uh, we'll get right into uh, a very... I'm, I'm going to put it in fire hose mode. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to talk real quick uh, to get this in in uh, less than an hour. And uh, hopefully it'll tantalize you a little bit. Think about what's going on in our country, around the, the global situation. I'll give you a bunch of scripture to go along with this. We'll look at some current events and how they're setting the stage for vital prophecy to be fulfilled. Thanks for being here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the folks that uh, are here this morning. I pray that uh, the seminar that we have right now might uh, be encouraging even though we're going to look at some very tough situations that are happening on a global and domestic scale, I pray that you'd help us to keep looking up for the blessed return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we look forward to that. So Father, bless our time together. Pray for all those that will be traveling shortly, that you'd watch over them, keep them safe as we return to our ministries. And uh, we look forward to that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like I said, uh, uh, Prophecy Focus Ministries is still in full gear, even though with the pastor that I've re dramatically reduced uh, where we go. Now, I'll say this just because I think it's appropriate here. Uh, many of you are pastors or uh, uh, in various ministries. I still will go to churches. So if you're interested, after you hear what you hear, uh, you can contact me and uh, we'll see what we can do. You don't have to, you say, well, if you're limited, are you only taking big venues right now? Actually, I take any venue, any size, doesn't matter to me uh, if I can fit it into our schedule. All right, just very uh, two minute commercial here. I've written four books, working on a fifth. Um, this one's on the Alloy Discourse from a strong dispensational perspective. Uh, was, how do you know Dr. Thomas Ice? All right, so he for, did the forward of this book. This one is uh, Daniel's Gap Paul's Mystery, What Caused the Prophetic Calendar. Basically, what I like to say, it's Scripture's most compelling argument for the preacher of rapture. And uh, quite frankly, Daniel 9, 24 to 27, God's prophetic timeline really sets the stage for that. 
Um, as I told you, I was in government work for 32 years. I spoke at the governor's prayer breakfast about a year ago. I wrote this book called Are You Going to a Better Place? Everybody that came got a copy of it. Thousands of these have gone out. If you're into evangelism, uh, this is available. Uh, this will, will do for only $5 if you're interested, or my wife will throw it on a package. This is a book that will be getting some of the material out of today, Globalism, uh, The Great World Consumption, basically the Church Age Chaos. So that's here as well. That just came out in December. How many of you been to the pre-trib conference in Dallas? All right. One. That's it. Y'all got to come. Uh, first weekend of, or first week in uh, um, December, pre-trib conference. It's Dr. Thomas Ice. It used to be Tim LaHaye's group. When Tim LaHaye passed away, Dr. Ice took over and uh, is the head of that now. All right. So those are available. You can see my wife if you're interested. The only thing she said is... You can talk about these two are, are 15 each. She'll do both of these for 20 today if you're interested. So you can see her afterwards. I don't sell. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about globalism and church age chaos. Uh, you can't help but if you look at current events today, uh, as soon as I turned on my phone this morning, started to go through the news, which I do every single day, you know there's a whole lot of trouble going on. We're going to take a look at some of that. But I want to go through just a little bit of our background. Of course, picture my wife and I. And uh, like I say, we're, we're a team. We do everything together. We travel together. I virtually don't go anywhere without her. And in today's day and age, can you figure out why? Doesn't take much, right? Uh, we don't want any issues with anybody on any level, and we certainly don't want to get Satan a, a foothold. All right, some of you will recognize the individual on your far right, that's Sheriff David Clark. I worked for him for 15 years. If you watch Fox News at all, you have seen him many a time. Uh, up until uh, about three, four years ago, he was a major face of the conservative movement. He's starting to re do the research. The little guy all the way on, the, on your left is me. Uh, I worked as a... The sheriff's number two guy, or actually his number one guy for uh, multiple years. Sheriff Clark in uh, 2017 resigned to go work with a campaign. Uh, you say, well, which campaign was that? Haven't been, he was the lead guy for President Trump. Whether you like him or not isn't the issue today, but I'm not here to push politics at all for sure. But he was the lead guy for uh, Trump in many of the, uh, President Trump in many different things while he was campaigning and to win his first presidency. So I took over uh, being the number one uh, person by constitution of Wisconsin. I automatically took the sheriff's role. Then I had to go through a process of 18 other guys trying to get my job. And uh, Governor Walker appointed me to uh, finish out that term. So from uh, 1986 to 2019, I was in the sheriff's office. And that, of course, gives me a whole different perspective than... Uh, a lot of other folks might have. Milwaukee is an extremely liberal area, extremely liberal. And uh, it was a little rough navigating the politics, but uh, anyway, it was, a, it was actually a, a good primer as to what I do now and gave me a lot of experience. All right, every time before I would give a speech as sheriff, I would always put this particular slide up, First Amendment of the Constitution. And there's a major reason for that because as a Christian, and I never ever hid that fact, oh, I mean it was always out there, never hid it, 
Uh, of course, that doesn't always make you favorable, but if you speak the truth in love, you can pretty much get away with a lot of things, quite frankly, and that's why the Lord, I think, put that verse in the scriptures. First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. All right, so we have this false idea what separation of church and state is. Uh, what does it say? It says Congress shall not make a religion. So if pastor goes into a public area and they say, we well, can't talk about religion here, I say, well, why not? Congress cannot make a religion. If a sheriff of any county or any other elected official stands up, that's not forming a religion. It says Congress won't. So any, and I never had an issue, and that's why I always put the, the, uh, the amendment up. It's like, this is where we stand. So anytime, so, and, and any time somebody tells you, you don't have the right to share your face somewhere, it's like, well, what about the First Amendment of the Constitution? We're not forming a religion. We're simply sharing our beliefs, just like the liberals do, by the way. So what else can't they do? They can't prohibit the free exercise thereof. Folks, in a communist country, we'd all be in jail right now for doing what we're doing. We still have that freedom, all right? So we have the free exercise thereof. Uh, they can't abridge the freedom of speech, even though the Supreme Court and others are doing everything they can to try and uh, uh, silence us. We, they cannot do it constitutionally, and that's why, by the way, folks, you know how important it is that Christians go out and vote. It's just imperative. Uh, many Christians are like, well, uh, I don't like this guy on this or her on that. Folks, we're not, when, when we're in politics, there's not a whole lot of Christians that are running. So you're looking for the best thing to try and keep us moving forward the best we can. Uh, so we need God's people to, to get out there and vote for the best possible candidate. Freedom of speech or, the, or of the press, we know the press takes liberty constantly, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble. Now, is this a peaceable assembly? What? Well, <laughs> as, long, as long as nobody punches me, we should be in good shape. But uh, we have the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for the redress of grievances. In other words, you have an absolute right, according to the First Amendment of the Constitution, to take a stand. You like this? I don't like this. Listen, uh, uh, President, listen, Mr. Governor, listen, Mr. Uh, uh, Representative or Senator. These are issues we don't like. So you have a constitutional right to basically go after things that you don't agree with, but in a peaceable, proper way. All right, so again, we're going to look at uh, globalism and church-age chaos. We're going to go to a particular passage. And uh, now, folks, I am a die-hard, die-hard, die-hard dispensationalist. Um, I'm a pre-trib to the max. I'm pre-mill to the max. Uh, and again, I'm not going to get into that. That's another seminar that I would do uh, at, in defending that. But what we need to understand here is we're going to look at an interesting passage to start us out with, which happens to be 2 Timothy 3.1. A lot of 2 Timothy in the, the last few days. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, but know this, that in the, now here's the issue, the last days perilous times will come. So when me and you, for the most part, when we're going through Scripture and we're looking at the last days, many of the times, what do we think about? We think about the future tribulation time and not the current last days. So when we look at this from the Greek and the English standpoint, what does it say? But know this, that in the last, now there's that word, eschatos. What is eschatos? Well, it's the future. It's looking forward. 
And when we talk about the subject of eschatology, uh, for our theology folks, we're looking to the future. But it's very interesting that Paul is talking to Timothy, a young pastor, and he's telling him, listen, in the last days, perilous, dangerous, hard, difficult, treacherous times will come. And uh, what are these times? Well, it can be periods, it can be seasons. So that's, I'm, I'm trying to get you uh, uh, started on this with this concept. What in this passage is Paul talking about when he's looking at the last days? Well, the contention is going to be, and I'm going to show you several things to try and back it up, that the last days are referring to the last days of the church age and not the future uh, seven-year tribulation. Now, I asked on purpose some of you about, uh, are you familiar with the pre-trib organization, Tommy Ice? If you are, many of you also listen to Andy Woods uh, out of Sugarland Bible Church, who is uh, pretty much uh, one of the up-and-coming guys in uh, the dispensational world today. Here's what he said. Now, what are the last days? Many people think, well, that is the seven-year tribulation period of the millennial kingdom that follows. The tribulation period is related to God's program with Israel. This is a church age letter written by Paul to a pastor. Paul is not talking about the tribulation period in the millennial kingdom that follows. He is talking about what is going to happen as the church age reaches its conclusion. And again, from Dr. Woods. Mark Hitchcock, uh, also a Dallas grad, very, uh, does a lot of conferences, also a pastor. Here's what he said. When talking about the last days and end times, we have to distinguish between the last days for the church, and here's the, the operative statement, and again, you have the right to disagree, but here's where they stand. I agree with them because they agree with me. <laughs> he says, which we are in now, and the last days for Israel, which is still in the future. One more statement from uh, Dr. Hitchcock. When we talk about the end times, we are referring to all the events beginning with the rapture all the way to eternity. Thus, the end times include the rapture, which ends the last days for the church. That's a pre-trib statement. Uh, uh, inside the, include the rapture, which ends the last days for the church, and the last days for Israel, which will follow the rapture. Moving into the New Testament, the term last days refers most often to the last days of the church and the church age. So with that particular bend in our theological discussion, what are we looking at? Well, again, Timothy is being warned by Paul, listen, in the last days, perilous times will come. So the contention, at least for today, is that's a challenge. Where is the last days? Is it truly in the last days of the church age? Or is this talking about something literally eschatological or in the future tribulation or millennial time? And uh, I think we're going to be able to prove today that it is referring to church age times. So this is the little chart that we're going to work from. So how, what, are, what are we working in today? What are we seeing in America? What are we seeing domestically? What are we seeing globally? And that's the big issue today, globalism. Every single thing in God's word points to a future one world government, one world religion, and a one world economy, which is where we're going to be headed uh, through our discussion. Again, just for a quick look, uh, the simplicity of this particular timeline, just to set the stage, we're currently in the church age. If you're part of the IFCA, you're going to probably agree with this chart. 
Uh, next major event in the guy's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, the tribulation period to follow after the Antichrist confirms his covenant with who? Israel. Not the church, Israel. Daniel 9.27, followed by the return of Christ to set up his millennial kingdom, and then uh, more, many events that will lead into the final place in eternity. All right, so what constitutes perilous, dangerous times? I'm going to do something I usually don't do, but I'm going to read about a five-minute excerpt, and Val, I need you to tell me when I'm about uh, 845. What are we at now? 945. Yeah, let's make it nine. All right. This is in the part of the preface to the book I wrote, and I'm going to go, this is just very condenses some of these issues into what I'm going to read to you. So excuse the reading, but I think it's the most powerful piece I can do to drive this home. What constitutes perilous times in the last days? The Apostle Paul reveals several issues in 2 Timothy 3, 19, by the way, that point directly to perilous times, which could also be translated dangerous times. Consider the following topics that continue to shock not only the Christian community, but also conservatives who may or may not embrace the biblical worldview. Does worldwide breach of the COVID-19 pandemic and the historic global changes that resulted from it constitute the advent of perilous times? Are the volatile issues of gender identity perilous times? Are the volatile uh, uh, issues of gender identity, gender fluidity, including the propagation of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual, LGBTQIA+, lifestyles, indicators of perilous times? The mainstream media, public schools, government officials, businesses, and activists across the United States and around the world aggressively promote the normalization of these constructs, which are antithetical to God's created order and design for marriage. Is lawlessness a sign that we are in the last days? Consider the lawlessness that currently exists in the United States, where the criminal justice system often fails to hold criminals accountable for their crimes against people and property. Consider the following factors that contribute to a lawless society. Liberal justice systems currently charge a minimal number of actual offenders with a crime. District attorneys often defer prosecution, which means the judicial system will not, at the present time, hold the criminal accountable for the current offense, but the offender might be held accountable for the current crime if arrested again. Judges assign little or no bail, which expedites the release of serious offenders from jail and back to the streets. Courts impose minimum, minimum sentences for criminal activity. This action not only fails to deter criminal activity, it invites it. Are the wars currently taking place around the world evidence that the last days are upon us? Does the current war between Ukraine and Russia and the positions of China, Iran, Syria, Turkey, and the United States point to the perilous and dangerous times referred to by the Apostle Paul? Many Christians around the world are suffering horrific persecution to the point of incarceration and torture. Vigilantes burn their homes down, churches are destroyed, unconscionable crimes are committed against women and children, and thousands are literally murdered for their faith in Jesus Christ today, by the way, folks, by brutal and degenerate people. The World Watch List tracks the 50 countries that have the highest rate of persecution against Christians. Though America does not fall into this category, the following worldwide persecution statistics should garner the attention of every believer in Jesus Christ. While persecution against Christians takes many forms, it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identifying with Jesus Christ. 
from Sudan to Afghanistan, from Nigeria to North Korea, and from Colombia to India, followers of Christianity are targeted for their faith. They are attacked. They are discriminated against at work and at school. They risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. The first nine months of 2022, World Watch List reported uh, the following. Over 360 million Christians living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. Remember, we're talking on a global basis. 5,898 Christians were killed for their faith. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. 6,175 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or in prison. 3,829 Christians were abducted. Does this terrific, does this horrific treatment of Christians constitute perilous and dangerous times? Is the globalist alarming rhetoric regarding climate change or global warming and the changes implemented to address it a sign that we are in the last days? The United States stopped the Keystone Pipeline that once provided the means for energy independence from other countries, but now America must once again rely on hostile countries to provide the resources necessary to supply its people with the fuel needed to function, with that fuel costing a significantly higher price than it produced at home. Folks, we're in a wall right now because uh, there's an election coming up upon the strategic reserves and run out. Guess where your gas prices are going again? Does this lack of energy independence and the seeking of help from other nations point to this scenario of the last days? Is the government and secular education pushed for the critical race theory and the once again heightened racial tensions in the United States of America, resulting in protests, riots, destruction of property, and even the loss of life? Does this constitute the perilous times the Apostle Paul referred to? Is the significant rise in socialism around the world and now at an extremely accelerated pace for implementation in the United States of America, does that constitute perilous times? Is the rise of Marxism, which is the next fatal step after socialism, and the dictatorial outcomes, is that result pointing to the perilous times Paul warned about in 2 Timothy 3.1? Is the abandonment of truth a sign that we are in the last days? Boy, did we hear about that this week. Consider the rise in relativism, pluralism, syncretism, and dualism. All those were talked about this week and the downplaying and mockery of the biblical worldview. The massive rise of secularism within the Christian community has resulted in a very confusing syncretism of the scriptures with anti-biblical doctrines and philosophies. Dr. Gilly talked about that last night. Is this one more evidence that the perilous times of Sectivity 3.1 is present? Stay with me a little bit more. When considering that a former president of the United States made this statement that America is now in a post-Christian era, does that constitute that the world is now in perilous times? If yes, this points to the time when Jesus will return to take the church age saints home with him to heaven. Now we can say amen. All right, let's get out of here. Let's go up. The government's initiative to implement a new digital clean currency, which gained significant traction during the COVID-19 pandemic, is that proof that the last days are upon them? Upon us. There's a considerable rise in executive orders from the President of the United States which circumvents the checks and balances for which the Constitution provided a sign of the last days. Does it move towards unilateral authority to make massive policy changes with catastrophic economic implications and consequences for the health and safety of the people? Does that constitute perilous times? Consider the broad use of what conservative terms term fake news, which is a deceptive spinning of the truth by the liberal media. Does that constitute dangerous and perilous times? 
Does the significant change in technology and massive increase in what is known as the information age constitute dangerous and perilous times? Um, the book I'm right now, uh, right now is talking about artificial intelligence, transhumanism, not transgender, but transhumanism, uh, and the deconstruction or the de-evolution of democracy. These are all just, I mean, this is huge stuff, and if you're not familiar with it, this is massively increasing at a breakneck speed. The massive, the massive increase of computers, the digitized world, social media, the internet, and the digital stronghold pulled on power grids, industry, communication, the military, local, state, and federal security, and a plethora of other significant digital endeavors, do these things constitute perilous times? Does the current move toward digital currencies in the United States and the potential for a global currency constitute dangerous times? Consider the significant uptick, uptick in implanting chips not only in animals but also in human beings. Digital implants are rapidly increasing in popularity. The implanted chips provide access to buildings, vending machines, various personal records, and many other things where one no longer has to carry keys or cumbersome paperwork. The Christian community must consider whether these and many other contemporary issues are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled and determine the appropriate response to what I suggest are the last days of the church age. When you draw your conclusions regarding these issues, consider the necessity of placing yourself in a heightened state of spiritual alert as you and your brothers and sisters in Christ carefully and deliberately don the appropriate spiritual armor as we daily and hourly enter the battle to not only keep spiritually sharp, but use our influence as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ in the effect, most effective manner. As the war between good and evil escalates, the Christian community, during the final period of the last days, which are by biblical definition perilous, dangerous times, must renew its spiritual vigor to accomplish the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ to seek and to save that which is lost. All right, so what's the contention? And we're not going to go through this in detail, where we will be here much past the uh, one-hour limit. Uh, but in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, 19 specific things are talked about. The Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, be on guard. These things are going to be taking place during the last days of the church. Now, was Paul, and here, here's a question for you, was Paul looking for the imminent return of Jesus Christ? He was. 2,000 years ago, Paul was, I mean, he's looking up, he's like, get me out of here. Uh, uh, when's the rapture going to take place? So the contention is that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you look at these 19 different characteristics, folks, these, these did, they didn't just pop up in our generation. These issues have been around ever since the first century. Uh, many of the things that we just talked about, not to the degree that we have today, but these things have, uh, uh, the, at least from a moral, ethical standpoint, have been around. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Does that describe our generation? It really does. And uh, we look down the next set. Men will be unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of God. Folks haven't been in law enforcement for 32 years. It's brutal out there. Now, many of you I trust live in nice, safe communities, and you don't see some of the things that uh, take place maybe in the deep part of the urban areas. I pastor now in, uh, in Union Grove, which is part of Racine, Wisconsin, right above Kenosha, Wisconsin. 
uh, as uh, the riots broke out a couple of years ago. They were walking by our church and driving by our church. Uh, ended up, and many of you heard the story of Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, who was a individual young guy with a <laughs> with a AR weapon, and uh, he shot a couple of people, killed, and uh, he, he he was able to uh, get off because of self defense things. But folks, I mean, is that the kind of society we want to live in? Of course not, but it, it exists upon us, so it's here. What else? Traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Where did that come out in uh, the sessions this week? Uh, people are, it's all about me. It's all about my experience. It's all about uh, what I like to call, and, and by the way, folks, I do love Burger King, uh, but they're, they're, uh, if you know their advertising statement, at least in the past, have it your way. way. That's what America's all about. I want it my way. Uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power what God asks us to do, turn away from that. It's not what, we're, uh, not what we're designed to do. Now, that's not saying we shouldn't be evangelistic. It's not saying we shouldn't uh, uh, be, if you will, try to be friendly to those that are outside uh, our fold. Otherwise, we kill the evangelistic emphasis. But uh, these aren't the folks that we want to be hanging around with and making our friends. The gospel is another statement. All right. So we're looking at, from a biblical perspective now, Preparation for prophetic globalism. So I want to spend a few minutes on this topic uh, as we look at this. Daniel 9.27. Again, Daniel 9.24-27 is God's prophetic calendar for the Jewish people. You'll find between Daniel 9.26 and Daniel 9.27 is literally where we are today. The last thing in Daniel 9.26 talked about the end of the second temple. It will be torn down. Daniel 9.26 talks about the crucifixion of Christ after the 69th week of Daniel, the destruction of the second temple. Then it says nothing about the church age in which we live today. Why? Because this was God's calendar for the Jewish people. By the way, this is the most compelling reason for the pre-tribulation rapture. We're not in the prophetic calendar. Never have been, never will be. And God didn't reveal it, as he tells us in multiple passages. And I'm just going to say them real quick, especially seeing I'm on tape. Colossians 1, 24 to 29. Ephesians 3, 1 to 7. Romans 16, 25 and 26. All described that the church age, for whatever reason, God said was a mystery kept secret and was revealed, if you will, after the death bell with the apostles. So we're talking in the time of Christ when the church age was revealed. So what do we have? Daniel's prophetic timeline, if most of you are familiar with it, I'm not going to go through it today, but the first 69 weeks of Daniel's calendar have come and passed, which means the next one, which is the Antichrist confirming his covenant with the Jewish people, we got that big blue area. Folks, that's where we are today. That is the current gap. By the way, if you want uh, these slides, you're welcome to them. Uh, my email is in the brochure that we gave to you. Uh, you can feel free to um, send me an email. I'll be happy to send them to you. All right, so where are we today? We're in what we're going to call uh, the mystery gap. Now, the prophesied gap came between Daniel's 69th and 70th week when he talked about the crucifixion of Christ in the second temple. Then Daniel 9.27 immediately, immediately drops into E. Well, D happened to show up. And again, there's some of the verses. 
We now live in this church age time. Folks, we have to leave before we can get down to E. Church age is not part of God's prophetic calendar. Scripture's most compelling argument for the pre-tribulation rapture. So that first section on the screen that shows gap, that's where me and you live today as uh, uh, we prepare for the coming of Christ to take us out of here before that final seven-year period. Again, I know if you're not familiar with this, most of you are. Um, get my book on Daniel's gap. All right, so let's go down to what's going to take place in the future. So our contention is we're in the last days of the church age. What's going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to come down from heaven with uh, the voice of the ark, or with the shout, the voice of the, the archangel, the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, should it happen, our generation shall be caught up to him in the air of the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The rapture. What happens after the rapture of the church? Well, uh, the contention is Daniel 9.27, the Antichrist makes a peace treaty with the Jewish people and allows them to build what? The third temple where? In Jerusalem. Jerusalem. All right? First temple's gone, second temple's gone. Uh, let me ask you this question. Where's the temple today? Where's the temple today? 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, 1 Corinthians 12.13, where's the temple today? Right here. Knowing not, Christian, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I think that's one of the most compelling things about why there's no temple in Jerusalem yet. God, for 2,000 years, has not allowed the Jewish people to build that temple, and he won't until Daniel makes the, or until the peace treaty is made between the Antichrist and the Jewish people, which is when that third temple will come. Why? Because we're gone. We shall be gone. All right. I'm going to take you now to why the things happening today are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And I'm going to go through this quickly because I want to get to some of the current events yet. Revelation 12. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, which um, if you're a pastor, you, should, you are, and others here I'm sure are as well. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, all the way through Revelation 19.21, talks about the seven-year tribulation period. And uh, let's see, 12, let's see, 4, 12, 19. 12 fits right about here, right? A little bit past, uh, technically it's in the middle of the tribulation when this event is going to take place. Now, when the Antichrist confirms his peace treaty with the Jewish people, how are the Jews going to be treated by, if you will, the Antichrist at the beginning of the seven-year trip? Favorably or unfavorably? Favorably, very favorably, allows them to build that temple, get their sacrificial system going again. Why in the last half of the tribulation does everything all of a sudden blow up? Why is the worst Holocaust of all times going to take place in the second half of the seven-year tribulation period? Zechariah 13, 8, and 9 tells us that two-thirds of all Jewish people will die during that tribulation period. Two-thirds. There's about 15 million Jewish people today. Two-thirds of that. That's bigger than the Holocaust that took place at the Second World War time. So it's coming. Why does all this, all this change? Why are the Jews all of a sudden going to experience horrific persecution? Revelation 12. Weird statement. War breaks out in heaven. That's weird. Michael and his angels fought, against, fought with the dragon. We'll explain that in a minute. But the dragon, of course, apocalyptic style writing, symbolic of something that's real. So Michael fights with the dragon, and we'll show a verse in a minute that proves that the, that the dragon is Satan. 
and the dragon or Satan and his angels fought. In other words, the demonic army. But they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon, Satan, was cast out. And here's the, here's the synonyms. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives what? The whole world on a globalist basis. He was cast to the earth, and his angels or demons were cast out with him. All right. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is what? It's short. How much time does he have left? Mid-trip point. War takes up place in heaven. Satan gets cast out with the demonic army, cast down of this earth. Satan has been trying to stop God's program ever since day one, ever since the creation of Adam and Eve, when Satan, who was Lucifer, lost his dominion over the earth to Adam and Eve. Answer two, why does the Antichrist break the peace treaty or his covenant with Israel at the midpoint of the tribulation? Because of this issue when he gets cast out and he knows his time is short. All right, so matching that up with Daniel 9.27. Then here the Antichrist shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now again, prophetic week, a Jewish heptad, what's it referring to? Seven years. And we can go through, which were not the 483 years that preceded this, or four, uh, 483 years of the first 69 weeks. So we know the tribulation will be a seven-year period. And in the middle of that week, after Antichrist confirms his covenant, what happens? He breaks the covenant. Why? We just looked at it, Revelation 12. Satan's cast out of heaven. God says, enough, send him to earth. He's furious, he's mad, and he's going to cause the worst time of all, which is known as what? The great tribulation time. Luke 21-24. All right. So what's going to happen? The great dragon or Satan was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives what? The entire world. Globalism. Folks, you want to understand uh, uh, this particular thing? And I'm going to give a little kind of old stuff funny here for a second. Many conservative Christians were fired up mad when President Trump lost the election. They're like, man, we had a... Even though, and many folks didn't like him, many folks didn't like certain antics he pulled, but he was at least a conservative. Things were at least seen going in the right way, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, Joe Biden gets in. And I said, well, let's take a look at God's prophetic calendar. Now, this is a little speculation here, but think about it. President Trump had four letters that described his campaign. M-A-G-A. What did it stand for? Make America great again. Well, wait a minute. That does not fit the global picture. Think about that for a minute. So, and again, I'm not trying to make a statement, but I'm making a statement. All of a sudden, this other guy comes in. Is he make America great again kind of guy? No. Uh-uh. What is he doing? National globalist scale. Fitting right into the prophetic concept. So I'm not saying... Uh, uh, I'm simply speculation. It's like, well, is this indeed? Folks, we don't know the rap. Could the rapture happen today? Yes. I mean, it could. Is this change in politics setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled? Yes. I don't know. It could be. 
I don't know what, are we going to be here for the next election? I hope not, but we could be. Maybe things are going to change and we got a long time to go yet. It's all speculation. But it's very interesting. And I try to uh, appease Christians a little bit. It's like, hey, if indeed the, the current president is setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, that means look up because what? Jesus is coming back soon. And that, that I can live with. All right. So we know that the at V, not A, Bible talks about A, Antichrist uh, uh, concepts and all that, but here we know 1 John 2.18, we know who is coming. Well, we know Satan is going, to, is going to be part of the major picture down here on a globalist basis. We know the Antichrist is coming, or also in Revelation, mostly called the beast is coming. And then who else do we know is coming? The false prophet. Now, what I'm... I'm, my contention here is we're talking about the satanic trinity that must come into play. Revelation 13, which we're going to go to in just a moment, talks about these three individuals. He talks about Satan or the dragon. He talks about the beast, and he talks about a second beast. And when you put all these pieces together, you come up with God or uh, come up with the false satanic trinity. Folks, there's no doubt about it that Satan has always tried to mimic what God does. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Satan mimics God the Father, who mimics Jesus Christ. Antichrist will. By the way, he was wounded and came back to life. Uh-huh. Mimicking Christ. And what is the job of the Holy Spirit today? Well, it's to promote Jesus. Agreed? Yeah. Right? So what is the false prophet going to do? He'll be promoting the Antichrist and Satan's one world globalist system. All right, let's jump ahead. Here again, just to point out, is documentation from Scripture of the Satanic Trinity. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, Antichrist, and out of the mouth, and this one just names it, third person or the other beast, Revelation 13, the false prophet or the Satanic Trinity. That is going to come into play after we're gone, but it will take place. All right, let's go to Revelation 13. And they got to zip through this. All right, so what's going to be taking place? Now, the beast, and we know the beast is the Antichrist, which I saw was like a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. We're not going to go through a complete exegesis, but we're trying to get set the stage here. The dragon does what? He gives power to the Antichrist. He gives him his power, his throne, and his, what? His global authority. He's going to have great Authority, and I saw one of his heads. Here it is, as if it had been mortally wounded. Boy, I mean, it's, it's it's an exact thing. You take out your cell phone, you won't be taking it out if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You won't be here. But all of a sudden, uh, everybody's going to be pulling out their cell phones, and it's like, wow, this super duper uh, a leader, this guy that's uh, basically uh, we love this guy, and he's like uh, going to be the world uh, savior, if you will. World Savior, okay? And uh, uh, they look at the Antichrist, who, of course, we don't know what his name is or, or uh, what his real title will be during that time. But uh, they'll look, and all of a sudden they find out, good night, the guy's been killed. Now, whether he actually dies or not, there's theological discussion about that. But at a minimum, he has a mortal wound. And all of a sudden, they pick up their cell phone. I don't know how much later. Wow! They see this. I mean, it, it, my imagination says he's going to look really bad, like all shot up something, bleeding all over the place, and they're going to pick up their phone, and he's going to be up there waving, I'm healed. What's that going to do? Well, it's going to pull in 
uh, people. It's going to cause great deception. Now, I'm going to throw out another little piece here. I know you're all in ministry, so uh, I can go through a lot in a little time, right? Okay, when we look at the world empires that have existed, specifically going back to ancient times, Egypt, Assyria, Four that were prophesied about by Daniel, Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, specifically Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now uh, we know we're in that church age gap, and the next major event is going to be what? The revived Roman Empire from Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. So we're sitting right there, that church age gap, which started, uh, of course, right after death, burial, and resurrection, of Christ when the church age began and we're in that period to the current. Again, we need to leave before that 70th week of the revived Roman Empire of Daniel 2 and 7 can kick in. So the contention is this. What is taking place today that is setting the stage for that revived Roman Empire to come into being, which is a one world global economy, religion, and government? So what takes place? The Antichrist comes back to life, or it looks like he comes back to life. So what happens? The entire world is going to worship Satan, who gave authority to the Antichrist, and they worship the beast, the Antichrist. The whole world is going to be sucked into this, except the Bible tells us those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Will people get saved during the tribulation period? Absolutely they will. In fact, the majority of them will be martyred, which we'll see in a minute. All right, so the beast comes out. Satan gives him his power. He's got worldwide authority. Who's like the beast? Who's able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. In other words, Antichrist hates God. He was given authority to continue for how long? 42 months. How long is seven years? Double 42 months. So it's three and a half years, the last three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle. Oh, wait a minute. What's the tabernacle? We're talking about that third temple and those who dwell in heaven. He didn't miss anybody. What do we have here? One world religion. It was granted to him to make more war with the saints and overcome them. In other words, folks will get saved, but he's going to wipe them out as best he can. And authority was given him. Let's see. How much authority does every tribe, every tongue, every nation he is a globalist leader. That's why the world, the World Health Organization, other major uh, groups that you are aware of, everything is moving towards globalism. That's why COVID-19 was a perfect uh, concept to set the, the stage for a one world government. The UN right now is working on uh, uh, making passport, the vaccine passports, a mandate. Now that kills me. I go to Israel. I do tours in Israel. I'm not taking the vaccine unless they put a gun to my head and shoot me first. Not happening. Uh, some of you are all for it. Some of you are against it. My position is not taking it. And I'm not going to go into that. All right. So all who dwell on the earth will worship him, except what? Whose names have not been written in the book of life. So folks will get saved during that period. Okay, then we get to the third person of the satanic trinity, the false prophet. By the way, Antichrist, false prophet, human beings. Then I saw another beast, false prophet, coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So he's cute, he's cuddly, charismatic like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. Tough, uh, satanic authority. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast of the Antichrist. 
uh, in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell on it to do what? To worship the Antichrist whose deadly wound was healed or else you're going to die. He the false prophet, now catch this. He the false prophet performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives, deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he the false prophet was granted to do in the sight of the Antichrist, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and live. One more. There we go. He, the false prophet, was granted power to give breath. Catch this. We have an image of the beast. Look what this image is going to be able to do. Now start if you're, and this is, boy, this is fresh off the press, folks. Artificial intelligence, transhumanism. What is this image going to be able to do? He, the false prophet, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should do what? It should speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. How do you do that on a global basis? Well, if you know about chat GPT, if you know about artificial intelligence, if you know about things that are coming up, if you know a little bit about what transhumanism is going towards, it's like, I'm not saying this is it, but boy, it sure smells like it. It's just amazing. Does artificial intelligence or transhumanism have a part? But the one thing we do know, if you don't worship the image of the beast, what happens to you? Unless you go underground, you're gone. All right, very quick. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on their forehead. All right, so we've got a one-world religion going. We've got a one-world government going. And now we've got to get the one-world economy going. Folks, COVID-19 set the stage for this to happen. Many places that you went while COVID was on, they wouldn't take cash. Folks, now most of us, what have you got in your wallet? Uh, actually, you've got a few greenbacks, but uh, we all got these digital currency cards. You see, that's not digital. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's digital. Uh, and folks, when it comes, what's, what's going to happen? Well, this is cumbersome. And in fact, I called the company the other day because my card has a break in it. Well, wouldn't it be so much more convenient to put something right here or something right here and you just walk in, scan your hand or whatever they're going to do? Bam, good to go. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on their forehead so that no one buys or sells except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for his number of man. His number is 666, one world economy. All right, I've got nine minutes. I'm going to hit you with some very quick current events. Again, I'm going to start out with the one I'm most familiar with, which is lawlessness in America, riots in America, people killing people, people rioting. This is becoming the norm in our society. Now, we've been in a little bit of lull lately, but these things will pick up again. I've been in these things. I've been in the riot issues. They're not fun. Police lines, all these things. Folks, during the end times, the Bible makes it very clear these things will increase, and especially during the tribulation, it will be extremely violent. 2022 statistics, as of November, uh, total number of gun violence deaths just in America, right at 40,000. Homicide, murders, unintentional uh, uh, killings, 18,000. Suicide rate, people are despondent, they're in despair, 21,000. Uh, total number of injuries, 35,000 in America. Now, folks, when, when we look at these things, it's like, that's ah, just a number. Folks, what if that's your son? 
What if it's your daughter? What if it's your wife? What if it's your husband? What if it's somebody you love? Every single one of those red areas looks where people have been murdered, and that was from 2022, and of course the statistics for 23 uh, aren't ready yet. Uh, look at things like this. Mass shootings, 610 mass shootings last year. Mass murders, 36. Number of children killed by gun violence, 291. Again, what if that's your kid? 636 injured. Uh, number of teens that were killed were over 1,000 injured, over 3,000. Violence is on the uprise. Violent crimes on the rise in 2022 following previous unprecedented spikes in murders. People, by the way, wanted to blame COVID for this. It's not COVID. It's uh, 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 the heart that's degenerate and moving away from the Lord. U.S. murder rate highest it's been in 25 years as big cities shatter records. Folks, it's like, man, this is horrible. It's terrible. Uh, we're moving in this direction in America and globally. And I say, yeah, look up because your redemption draws nigh. Maranatha, it's coming. Uh, uh, the stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Revelation 6, the stage is being set for prophetic seal, judgment number 2. Revelation 6, and that people should kill one another, and there was given him a great sword. Now, it's it just violence will increase to an unbelievable level. May I say this, and I said this all the time when I was the sheriff, government, you say you said this in the media? Oh yeah, government never changed the heart, only God can change the heart. Government was uh, in Genesis 9 when God designed uh, a government, it was to protect the people, not to do everything the government does today. We're totally out of whack. Uh, very quickly, this is one of the hottest topics in the Christian community and around the country. It's being push, 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 prophetic political pressure and gender confusion. I got the hold of this book about a little over a year ago, uh, The Danger of Puberty Suppression. Quite frankly, I was ignorant about it. I had no clue about it. And uh, uh, I started to do this research for the book I wrote, and uh, I was just amazed at what's taking place and uh, uh, what is happening in our schools. And if you're pastoring, you have kids in public schools, or they have friends, or so forth. How strong is the push to change your gender today? It doesn't stop. It's never ending. Push, push, push. So they're trying to get them what? Take pills to stop them from developing into a female or male. Gender suppression, if you will. Uh, uh, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times, folks, this stuff shocks the conscience. According to estimates from the current population survey, annual social and economic supplement, there's the concept, uh, there are 543,000 same-sex married couple household today, 469,000 households with same-sex unmarried partners living together. This compares to 61.4 million opposite-sex married and 8 million opposite-sex Unmarried, unmarried partner homes. Things are starting to increase, and the government is pushing it, the media is pushing it, and our schools are pushing it. Is it any wonder that we are living in perilous and dangerous times? Uh, this is, came out back in October 22. I just heard it again on the news last week. Uh, puberty blockers stop fertility. In other words, the children. What it, folks, and again, I know this is controversial, and some of you may not agree with this, why is there such a big push to, uh, to get the COVID-19 vaccine? And again, if you've taken it, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. It's just my perspective. Take it or leave it. Why all of a sudden, my, and Valerie, my wife, watches the statistics. Why all of a sudden are people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, excellent athletes, movie stars, 
folks that have media attention dropping over dead with heart attacks. Why are they in their bed and all of a sudden they have heart attacks? Why, why have we seen uh, the videos where they're opening up veins and autopsies and pulling out strings of protein that literally choke their veins? Now, if you've taken it, I trust the Lord will protect you, and, you know, we just trust the Lord on that. But uh, the issue is, why are these things happening? What does the globalist want to do? What does George Soros want to do? What does uh, the head of Microsoft want to do? Every single one of them wants to do what? Reduce the population. And folks, by the way, during the tribulation period, Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, makes it very clear that unless those days would be shortened, no flesh would be Say, I mean, it, it's going to be horrible, and it's all coming. All right, three minutes, yikes. Uh, okay, gender transition surgeries happening all over the place, uh, most covered by insurance today. Why? Stop the propagation of people, stop God's moral laws, everything they can. Uh, what is your resolution as a Bible-believing Christian? God made male and female, hasn't changed. These things do what? They shock the conscience. Trans-identifying students increase 991% over two years in, in D.C. alone. So this is a trend that uh, Satan is propagating. All right, we're going to go to the next one very quickly because I'm almost out. Political pressure, the global economy. What's taking place in your bank books, at the stores, at the gas pumps? You, you know what's going on. You know, uh, uh, now we got a tremendous rate here at the hotel, but you're not paying 100 bucks for most hotels anymore. That was a super rate. Everything's doubled. I mean, you try and find a hotel on the street for under 200 we were in Bozeman, Montana last, uh, last week, actually. We paid $225 for a place that I literally, the door had been cracked open, busted open, was a dump. $225 in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. All right, real quick, what's happening? Global economy, uh, inflation rates that are just absolutely skyrocketing. Now, of course, the current administration is going to do everything they can to try and knock them down, but we were running 10 to 20% inflation last year on, on multiple different items and food sources and products. Uh, next one, gas, uh, when we're looking at the increase in prices. Now, they've come down again. Why? Because, uh, again, President Biden opened up the strategic reserve. There's uh, more fuel available. And, folks, those things are going to go away. And as soon as the, uh, unless a miracle happens, our gas prices will double or triple in the near future. Why am I bringing this up? Because it's setting the stage for the one world economy. It's setting the stage for the one world government. It's setting the stage for the one world religion. Here's an, an, and again, I'm out, I'm out of time here, about a minute. What's taking place? We're watching as America... 96%, according to Barna and Pew Research, 96% of all people living in our country do not have a biblical worldview. You are 4%. You are the minor of the minor minorities. We have no say anymore. We basically are axed out. So what is it saying? Everything is moving. It's got to move, according to prophecy, into this one world government, one world religion, and one world economy. Uh, global health care. You saw COVID-19, what it's doing. It's forcing the issue to make everything global. Uh, by the way, here's all the pandemics that have taken place. COVID-19, yeah, it had, a, it had an effect, but this is nothing new. But all of a sudden, now what? Huh. 
Satan said, ah, it's time. I got to set the stage for the one world government, one world economy, one world religion. What better way to do it than through pandemics? Last one here, energy crisis. Folks, if you're not independent energy, you got a problem. We're not independent anymore. I'm going to just pass that up and go to my last one here. The resurgence of anti-Semitism in our 21st century. So as a major proponent of the Jewish community, we spent tons of money protecting the Jewish community. And uh, I have a lot of Orthodox friends in Milwaukee uh, when I was the sheriff, and I still have friends there. Uh, but all these things are resurgence of what's coming. I'll end with this. Government never changed the heart when God came. So what's the answer to all of this? What will you do with Jesus today? What will you do with Jesus today? Folks, as we go back into the highways and the byways, as we go back into the battlefields where Satan is doing everything he can to try and corrupt our society on a domestic and a globalist basis, fight the good fight. Don't give up. Go back. Uh, you get fired up. Take everything that you got this last week. Go back there. Let's, let's give it all we got. Let's try to win folks to Christ. Share the gospel. Disciple people. You are the only hope America has. Father, thank you for these times that we've had together. Pray that you'd uh, uh, give us traveling mercies. Father, help us to go back charged up, ready to fight the good fight, as we've been encouraged to do all this week. Thank you for this wonderful con uh, conference. Thank you for these dear folks that go out and work hard and give their lives and sacrifice every single day. Lord, would you please help us as we fight in these last days. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.